Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, one and all, to another edition of the Star Seminar. I am one of your co professors here. I'm Dr. Rabble Rouser, and with me is the illustrious and internationally renowned football scholar. Dr. Danny Phantom. Dr. Phantom, how are you today, sir? I am, I am doing great. I, I always love your intros, perhaps. I just, uh, just um, doing, doing well. Uh, honestly, I'm still, I, st- I still feel kind of like I'm spinning my wheels. I'm trying to play a little catch up after being gone for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I was in California for a couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm just trying to gather myself and, Try to get some things done. Work has been real busy. Um, I, uh, I'm glad the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing is done. We can finally take a breath there. And uh, <laughs> I did. I will say this: um, I did get caught up on the final two episodes of Better Call Saul, which um, I love the show. So I know, and I bring it up sometimes, you know, often. And I just excellent. I just I think the way they uh, they capped off their mid. Uh, mid-season finale was just fantastic so i'm super excited about when that comes back um but outside of that uh really the only thing that's kind of hovering over my head is i have to get my backyard fence finished and there's always things that come up man that is stopping me and i'll i will say this i i seem to welcome those things and um you know whether it's having to go to california for business or you know, or the Oxner trip or just something that comes up to where, you know, like can't do it. And um, here we are and we're starting to get into the warmer part of the year. And that fence just sits there. Just I, I have the lumber. I just don't have I have not uh, I have not finished it. So. So, yeah, I need to I need to do that. Um, but that's just something that's uh, kind of just been uh, sitting there for a while that I've just always thinking about. So, mm-hmm. so I wanted to ask you, is there anything going on, like something that's just out there that's always kind of looming over you? Like, gosh, I just, you know, I need to, I need to get through this, I need to get this done. Yeah, I, my Albatross project is a baseball standings board that I'm trying to make for my godson. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I have a, some really good friends, um, their son, Adam is uh he's now like nine or ten um and like two or three years ago i i, I thought he's starting starting to get into baseball and i thought i'll make him a, a baseball standings board so the idea is that he'll it's a it's a magnetic chalkboard he can move um like uh, magnets of, of each of the team logos up and down the board as the standings change and then he can uh with chalk can write in the numbers of wins and losses for each team so he gets basically to track the standings he loves like He's an old school kid. He loves getting up in the morning with a newspaper and looking at all the box scores. Oh, so I thought this man. would be perfect, right? So I thought this would be perfect. He'll have a chance to, like, you know, when when a you know when a team suddenly jumps another team, goes into third place instead of being in fourth place, he can like move the magnets around, and every day he can like you know erase the number of wins a team had and, and add a, add a win that kind of thing. So it's a, he's a numbers kid. So I th- it's a perfect thing for him. The problem is I've got a plan for it. I've got it all sketched out. I'm I'm definitely a planner, but like. It's one of those things where I have to like do the outlines of it 
it's all like it's it's all sort of like planned out so it'll it'll look sort of like you know um an old school scoreboard a little bit um which means i have to paint it all on on a on a magnetic chalkboard uh with like white paint and i know i know how i want to go about doing it but like setting it all up is going to be so time consuming and i can't make any mistakes because if i do it's going to be like on the chalkboard so um i think because i know it's got to be one of those things where it's got to be just perfect and meticulous i haven't started it yet so i've got the whole plan i've got all the stickers i've got like there's other i have like a national league sticker and and an american league sticker for like the top of each side of the standings i mean the whole thing i've got all the pieces i need i've got all the the paint and all the materials i need i've got the plan for it with all the measurements i just haven't done it and it's been sitting so the board itself has been sitting like in a cardboard box like in my basement for like two years and so every 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 year i know i know every year like in the spring in february i'm like oh man i've got to get this thing going and like and like for spring break i'm always like oh spring break i'll totally spend spring break doing this and then i don't and then the baseball season starts i'm like oh i got to get it to him early enough in the baseball season so he you know so he can actually use it this year and then toward the end of the baseball season i'm like oh man it's getting kind of late now i think i'll just wait till next year and so um i've got like a a built-in kind of seasonal cyclical set of excuses every year but i've got i've got to get this thing going but this but again this year like as you know i've been away from home i'm i'm in california instead of in philadelphia where i live um doing a bunch of work around my mom's house um and so and that started in april and so like i I, this may end up being a thing where i'm here till july and you know i might um not get it done yet again so this is this is and so it'll just the, sit there in a box again so this is my albatross project i totally sympathize and it's so easy to find excuses not to do it well your project sounds way better than mine and like i remember too is and you probably did this as well i don't know but when we whenever you know somebody would jump someone's standings i would always move the little helmets i had my little football yes. helmet sitting there on my yes it always i love being able to move you know move people around when they get jumped and so that is super cool that's uh you know, I uh, I hope you're able to get that done, and um, you know, right before he's thirty. Right? <laughs> before he's 30. There's expansion teams, and the I'll, get, I'll get it to him for a, yeah, I'll get it to him for his wedding. Yeah, it'll be a strike year or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, oh, well, good luck with that. Um, Thanks. Let's. Uh, you want to talk some cowboy stuff? Yeah, man. I I thought we'd. Uh, thought we'd uh, you know that our game today could be uh and this is i, I all credit to you this is actually a, a great title and i think we should return to it again maybe even next week but it's you ought to know and ata is ota ata so we're going to talk about all things otas all the news that's coming out of otas and granted there's not a plethora of news but there are i think there's some really interesting things to talk about so um so here we go you ought to know what do we need to know about OTAs? Point the first. What's what's our first news point here? It's our uh, item item number one. So before we get started talking about the events going on at OTAs, well, I wanted to just run down a, a couple, a few Cowboys news stories. Uh, first off, we yeah wanted to talk, mention that we are all saddened by the the news that we heard about um, former Cowboys running back Marion Barber. Um, um, I don't know how much you know i i don't know like where you were with the when 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 julius and, and barbara were you know the tandem back in you know 2007 and stuff and like how how big how exciting that made you feel but i i know for me i i loved those that duo um mm-hmm. and i even yeah. i even have a, a marion barber jersey and i don't own very many jerseys but i do and of course a lot of that d- does have to do with the fact that he wore the number 24 and 24 is kind of a sacred number to me and um you know dating back from to everson walls days but so I, I did own a barber jersey and i just i really i mean that the whole season when when um you know kind of julius would lead things off and then barber would just come in and close and it's just uh it was it was really exciting and i have a lot of barber memories of course everyone knows the new england you know one yard rush but i mean there were so many times that he was just barreling through people and just he was so fun to watch and um just and and those two together too it just was was so fun i mean what's you know what what are your like greatest memory from from the barber days 
So I will say that, you know, he had two different Joneses that he paired with, both of whom were so the sort of um, lightning to his thunder, mm-hmm. right? Right, so like right. You, in, in, in 08 and 09, you had Felix, who was probably even a, a more exciting breakaway runner than Julius was. And um, so I remember remember the 09 season when they when they uh, like led the league in, in rushing. They were a really, really strong rushing team that year. Um, and, and Barbara was so good, but one of my memories, one of my most distinct memories of Mary and Barbara is, um, that game where they upset the undefeated Colts in 2006 and Mary and Barbara had two really, really great, like touchdown runs, uh, in that like fourth quarter that, you know, if you remember that game was really tight, it was like seven, seven through three quarters. And then there was like a bunch of flurry of scoring in the fourth quarter. And I think Mary and Barbara had the, the, the sort of the last two touchdowns and both of them were like really nice, like little cutbacks. And, and so it, and, and then, and then, you know, and then, and then power into the end zone. So what, one of the things that we, we, I think don't give Marion Barber enough credit for was his vision at the line of scrimmage. He was really good. He was patient and he would like, he would wait and then make a cut and, and, and then he was decisive. And then of course he would lower his shoulder and finish it, but he wasn't just a bulldozer. He actually had um, a little ballerina to him. And um, and he was such a good, patient runner, waiting for holes to develop, and then he would shoot through them, and then of course knock guys on their keister uh, at, the, at the end of runs. And it, it, yeah, you're you're right. He was such a delight, and uh, and I think such a kind of symbol for the for the the, the kind of bullying um, team that Parcells wanted to develop and that Wade Phillips inherited. So all the way through 2009, they had this they had a big offensive line who would bully people. And when they were on and they were winning, they would just muscle guys. And, and Marion Barber was the kind of quintessence of that, where he would just like finish the game by just destroying guys and, you know, um, scoring touchdowns by lowering his shoulder and knocking guys the last three or four yards into the end zone. So it was just, um, you know, for someone who sort of vi- like one of the vicarious thrills of football is your team dominates the other team physically and you get to sort of enjoy that. Marion Barber was the guy, uh, the vessel that allowed us to enjoy that when he was when he was um, there with the Cowboys. And that was really enjoyable. Frankly, it was it was a thrill. Yeah. And I really think that's the way they utilized them, too, was 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 done so well. Parcells did such a, mm-hmm. a great job, too, because, you know, you wear where defense is down and then Barber would just come in there. And I mean, I remember he, I mean, he had a pro bowl season without starting a game and it was mm-hmm. just, it was pretty impressive. Um, I do remember that, that whole time period with the, with the, that span maybe of like four or five years is when I kind of bought into the running backs don't matter type thing, because you know, you had Julius and then I, I found myself wanting more Marion Barber. And then, then when Felix was drafted, I found myself wanting more Felix. And then you had DeMarcus Murray, DeMarco Murray, the same kind of thing. It's like, I always liked the the next one, you know? And um, so that, to, I remember that whole group stuff is kind of when I like started thinking along the whole lines of lessening, you know, of, of what uh, having a, a, one premier running back really meant. Of course, Zeke kind of threw me off a little bit because I thought he, you know, special player. And, and mm-hmm. to me, he, he mattered. And I, but I, I just remember that whole, a ensemble of running backs and the constant shuffling that they had year after year. And, and certainly Marion Barber was a big piece of that. And, uh, but yeah, but, but Zeke mattered because the, the investment in him, you know, I mean, so the, the, it's, it's like the Cowboys in 2014, when DeMarco Murray had that year forgot their recent history, right? Their recent history, which is they, they could have a top of the league running game with a couple of guys, I mean, what, obviously Felix Jones and Julius Jones were higher uh, draft picks, but with a, with a guy who was a fourth round pick being the, the sort of the sort of premier the premier back of the of the two, and they could do with a two headed or even with the shard choice mm-hmm. a three headed a three headed monster, and um, and then you know if it feel like it felt like the sort of weird unpredictable year that um, that Demarco Murray had in fourteen sort of led led them away from that, and, and I think it caused them to overinvest. In, in running back when, you know, just a few years before that they, they had been very successful with a, you know, to start choice of fifth rounder, Mary Barber was a fourth rounder, obviously Julius Jones was a second rounder. And, and then they, they did, they did overspend for Felix, but um, yeah, it's it, it, interesting, recent history anyway. So salute to the barbarian. Um, 
Yeah. And ultimately, like, I can't help but think that he's just such a symbol for how brutal this game is mm. and the toll this game takes on people. I mean, he was a re- not only was he a talented run- running back, but if you remember, talented pianist, really interesting, like articulate guy, not a big talker, not a big talker in, in, in the in the locker room, but but if you got him aside and he was felt comfortable, really articulate guy. And uh, I think the game just destroyed his brain. I mean, I, we've heard stories in the last few years about like sort of weird things that's been going on with him. He's not been doing well, right, some sort yeah. of weird public incidents and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It was very clear that he was suffering from some CTE stuff. And, and ultimately, you know, his premature demise. And it's, it's a sobering reminder of what this game does to people's bodies. So like, if you're ever thinking such as you guys overpaid, just think of Marion Barber and, and, and think of the, the sacrifice and, and the risk that these guys are taking on to play this game that, that does re- that does give them some financial compensation, but like at such a cost. Absolutely, reps. Well, that was well said. And to and, and to add to that too is is people that will that will pound the table saying, you know, stop stop making the game. You know, you're 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 out there. The rule, they're changing the rules. You're making it to where they can't do anything. And it's like you have people have to realize the the, the size and the and the power that these athletes have in this day and age to where if they don't change the rules, if they don't, you know, you know, make those adjustments, I mean, these guys will really hurt each other. So, um, you know, yeah. I, I love to see kickoff returns and all this stuff just as much as the next guy and all these things that, you know, back to when they were just like, you know, coming at each other. But at the same time, I also like to see my favorite players play on Sunday and I want our, the guys to be healthy. And so for sure, it's, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And um, I mean, a, a little, a little side on this, which is uh, that if you look, I mean, you can, you can, if you want to just subject this to the eye test, look at like the Cowboys Steelers first Super Bowl and watch the guys run. And they were all awkward and stiff legged and slow. You know, if you think about like the best, the best running backs in the, like late seventies, for example, like, you know, Greg Pruitt of the Browns, great running back, you know, former, former uh, Oklahoma star ran like a four, eight you know, I mean, these guys couldn't even get drafted now. And so you, if you think about it, he's running a four, eight and he's hitting a line, he, he's running into a linebacker who's maybe 217 pounds who, who, uh, who runs like a five, two, four. I mean, these guys were just so much slower and so much smaller. Mm-hmm. And so like the, the sort of physics of like, you know, force plus mass colliding. The physics of this are are so much more exponentially great now. When you know guys like Micah Parsons can get ten a ten yard runoff to hit another guy who you know Micah Parsons weighs thirty or forty pounds more than the guys who played thirty forty years ago. The running backs weigh more. They're they're faster. They're stronger. I mean, um, I mean. The, the the brain has not evolved and ligaments have not evolved uh, while everything else in the game has. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the kind of force, the sheer sort of physical force of impacts are so much greater than they were even in the nineties, for example, um, that uh, something has to be done because the athletes are, are so much more finely tuned. My, my pet theory is that the seventies Steelers, would have a hard time winning in today's sec i I really i really honestly think that they would be small and slow and frankly their 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 offensive and defensive schemes would be unsophisticated and and they would have a hard a really hard time um i mean you know uh, if you took those exact players without giving them a chance to to develop physically i think i think that this you know last year's georgia team would beat them by 30 or 40 points i really do and um and and so the game has evolved so much more, and uh, the training has evolved so much more that you've got to you've got to find ways to protect guys because um, it's it's re, it's reaching a kind of um, sort of you know impact point that um, it's just it's so much more dangerous. Yeah, I totally agree with you and everything that you said. You know, and and I and not to open up and just another, you know rabbit hole to, to, to run down but um i mean a rabble hole <laughs> a rabble hole <laughs> um but i mean like you, you hear those comparisons about the, the original dream, dream team and stuff and it's like those guys would get crushed they would get crushed yeah. with it i mean you do you realize the, the the size and the speed in it and yeah, you're right i mean it is basic physics you know force equals mass times acceleration the guys are bigger yeah. the guys are faster that compounds that just you know 
that force is just that much more powerful and for sure it's yeah it's definitely it's a different game and um you know it's it's definitely there that's why we have to have those rules and it's very very sad to hear the news uh um former cowboys coach jason garrett took to twitter and and he seems to only tweet when he's offering condolences i remember last time it's like in april when he was um tweeted about former coach uh running back coach gary brown and um mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. garrett had some some nice kind you know kind words to say about his former player and um as as only Jer- jason garrett can articulate um it was well spoken by the coach um, and speaking of the coach um got some news going around that he could potentially replace drew Brees on nbc as um maybe getting some more exposure in the broadcast booth and i want to ask you rabs um what do you what's your thoughts on garrett as a as a you know announcer well let me let me actually ask you a question did you ever see it was floating around a couple years ago there was a a moment where he went back to princeton he was it was an invited guest speaker and he went back to princeton for a talk and he he was sort of extemporized for i don't know maybe 40 minutes about life and and the challenges of life and overcoming adversity and and that sort of thing did you ever get a chance to see that particular talk i did i I mean you know i'm a big jason garrett guy and if it's the one i'm thinking of i think he's might be talking about um the starfish you know i throw yeah throwing the starfish. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, might, might very well yeah 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 um, he yeah so I, I think the thing about jason garrett is he learned pretty quickly that um in dealing with or, let me put it this way he decided that his way of dealing with the press i think when you're a coach you have several different options for dealing with the press one you can kind of mesmerize them with the old you know, rat-a-tat-tat song and dance. That was the Parcells method. You can kind of ah shucks them and never really give any anything, but you kind of you kind of appear like a dope, but um, but ultimately you you know you never really give them anything. And that's the that was the that's the Wade Phillips and Mike McCarthy method. <laughs> and the other and the other is to um, give obvious non-answers, uh, and then and then occasionally give an answer, but but for the most part give clear non-answers. And that was Jason Garrett's method. And I think ultimately that that method really soured the press on him. You know, he, he had the misfortune of following Parcells and then, you know, and then briefly Wade Phillips. Um, and I think that, that the press had a certain set of expectations and, and really began to resent Jason Garrett. I think that one of the reasons why nobody likes him is, is, is the press resented how little he gave them mm-hmm. and, ha- and how resolute he was in, in not giving them information. And sort of how obvious his method was that he said that he knew answers and wasn't going to give them. Like, I think people are, are, are sort of convinced that Wade Phillips and Mike McCarthy are too dumb to give the answer. That's not true. That's the, their method, but their method does a better job of kind of placating the press. And I think Jason Garrett's method was probably the least effective for actually dealing with the press, but that was the one he chose. But the real Jason Garrett is not that guy. The real Jason Garrett is the guy who actually was wonderfully articulate in walk-offs when they would ask questions and he would actually give real answers. Every once in a while, there'd be, a, there'd be an interview where he had a chance to sit down and he had some time and he would extemporize. And he's a wonderfully articulate guy. He's, 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 he's a, uh, I think people never, he, he never got enough credit for being a kind of force that unified the locker room because he's a voluble and likable guy who actually connects with people and, 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 um, and, and shows that he cares about people when he talks to them and talks about them. And um, he never showed that to the press. And I think ultimately that was, that was one of the sort of great feelings of his, of his coaching tenure, but he's that guy. I think he'll actually be a terrific analyst. If, if, if this doesn't in fact have prove you, true. Have you listened to him? Go ahead, please. As an analyst or just as a, as a, as a, as a person. No, as, as his USFL that he's done no no i haven't had a chance how is he well i've only listened to one game and it's it's very much what you would expect from jason garrett um it's a lot of it's very similar to like a, a suppressors in a way it's it's very bland it's very um you know mm, that's too bad it's it's uh you know here's what's going on um you know it's he's upbeat and he's you know obviously all, all positive and and he he doesn't even give any <laughs> And then, true Jason Garrett fashion, he he won't he won't ever say anything negative about anybody. Um, so, I mean, I love Jason Garrett, and there's a lot of things I would love to see Jason Garrett do, and I'd, I'd love to hang out with him and have lemonade. It would that would just be a delight for me. But um, I don't know if I want him, you know, announcing games, broadcasting games. It's it's I, I've heard enough of him. I mean, 
you know, I've, uh, I've, it's too bad. Yeah, I haven't heard that. I no. mean, I, I mean, his pressers didn't bother me because I, I actually applauded somebody who is going to, to, to handle himself that way. He, he, you know, he never. You're right. He doesn't give answers, and um, it's, it's pretty, you know, boring. But I still listen to everyone just because I can get, you know, find little niblets of information from him. And, mm-hmm. and even though he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't give what he. He would never compare a player. He would never say ne- anything negative about officiating. He, you know, it was, it's just Jason Garrett. That's just how he is. But I don't know if I want that from my football announcer. I, I want the the guys that's a little bit, you know. I mean, look at how colorful Tony Romo is, and just I mean, I mean to me, Romo's like at the top as far as a color an- analyst, and I think that he does a fantastic job, and he keeps it engaging and stuff. So, so my opinion of Garrett as a as a broadcaster is, uh, it's not. Not great. I mean, that's too bad. I mean, that's just my yeah. that's my feeling. Um, no, I I hear you. I think I think that if Jason Garrett could find whatever that thing is, the 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 courage, the if he could relax enough to show the real Jason Garrett, I think that he'd actually be a very good and popular announcer. Um, but if he's going to be that kind of button down Garrett, who's always going to be a little bit careful about what he says. Then I, I then I don't think he's going to be interesting. I, I think he actually has the ability to be a really interesting guy, and let go a little bit, show a little personality. Because I do think he has some personality. I don't think he's devoid of personality. I think he just doesn't show it in public fora all right, the time. Right. He shows it in the locker room, but he's got to be the locker room Garrett. And I think if he if he if he can find a way to be the locker room Garrett on on the air, he would be one of the most popular announcers because I do think that he's actually a magnetic presence i mean the cowboys kept him as a coach for a long time and a lot of those teams were successful and his players loved him and that doesn't happen if you're if you're that sort of tight-lipped button-down guy absolutely like right. that, that, you know so, so i'm really disappointed to hear uh, you say that about his usfl broadcasting because yeah i mean that guy is not going to be an interesting uh color analyst i mean the color analyst is the one who needs to be the one who is providing the emotion you know yeah, and, and to be fair, I mean, this is uh, first off. I've only listened to one, one game. I believe it was his first one, and I, so I don't know how. Maybe he's gotten better, and of, and of course he he will get better too. You know, with um with more ex- experience and stuff. So it's certainly something that he could. And I totally agree. If we saw like uh, behind the scenes, you know, like what we got, we have been able to see behind the scenes, and you know, like all or nothing sort of things, and you you could mm-hmm. really see. You could. I mean, people talk about oh, he's you know he's a. He's a funny guy. He's got a sense of humor, and people wouldn't really think that that would be something that's true. But uh, you know, and and you and you are able to see that a little bit. I remember when he's, you know, talking to Marcus Lawrence and talking about his sweatshirt here. You know, you know, he's he mm-hmm. he does have a sense of humor, and um, he does also have a, a mouth of a sailor too, and uh, you know, that we are able to see on on you know behind the scenes that wouldn't carry over so well. But uh, he, I so I do think there's potential there. Um, but just from what I've seen so far, it's uh, it's not something that uh, you know, I think that he would be good at. But who knows? I mean, yeah, no, I I, I agree. If, if he's not going to show this uh, that 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 Garrett, the the um, behind the scenes Garrett, then um, we don't. I mean, the button down Garrett is not an interesting character. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And our last bit of Cowboys news before we hit the OTA stuff. Um, just wanted to mention that um, June 1st has come and passed. And now we have the $10 million in cap savings that, uh, from releasing Lyle Collins. Uh, I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I don't know if it means anything to you, Rabs. But um, any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I have some thoughts. I, I think that... Um... I don't, I don't know that we're, I mean, you know, most people are like saying, so what? They're not going to spend it. And I think that that's probably true of this year. But I also think that one of the things that Stephen Jones 
has been trying to do of late is bank a little bit of that because of course you can bank that into next year. Mm-hmm. And next year there's a couple guys that I think that I think they would like to bring back who might cost a pretty penny and and, and those guys are actually both on offense at Dalton Schultz and Tony Pollard. So I don't know that we'd see that money go to either of those cats this year. I mean Schultz is a, eligible for for that so that could go to dalton schultz's uh, new contract if they want to do that but um, i think banking that for next year when um those are the two big names i think that, that, that are going to be lining up for for big money deals next year unless something weird happens um i think i think they might like to, to bank that money to try to you know uh, be able to, to bring one or both of those guys back so um you know, let, let, let's let's see what happens about this time next year. See if that that ten million yeah. um, goes toward goes toward bringing one of those guys in. Because, you know, again, I know people are like, "Why aren't the Cowboys doing anything in free agency?" They're actually very active in free agency. They're just it's just that they they resign their own guys. Those are the free agents they want to sign, and they do that at top dollar. And um, and so uh, if they can bring on Pollard or Schultz, then they'll they'll have brought on brought in one of the best running backs in free agency or one of the best. Um, you know, tight ends of free agency. And so that's, and that, that'll be a nice little coup and then that'll be uh, money well spent. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, as far as, you know, and you mentioned banking, banking for next year, and this is all just a bookkeeping. Um, yeah. Because what's really happened for anyone who doesn't understand with the, the, the June 1st cut thing. So had the Cowboys released Collins prior then then all his bonus money, all the dead money would count for the current year, whereas now, if if you if you release a player after June first, or in Lyle Collins' place, and and several others players in the NFL that were designated a post, you know, June first cut, then only the only the prorated bonus for 2022 counts on this year's cap, versus all the remaining for all the subsequent years, then gets put on the books for 2023. So basically the money you're banking for next year is basically the money that's uh you know would otherwise have to be accounted for so it to me it, it there's it's a net zero right so that's that's it. yeah it's it's also a way of just lessening his cap it next year i mean so you can look at it a couple of ways right you're banking money but you're also in some ways you're, you're by doing that you're taking the savings this year and applying that to the to the to what you're going to pay for releasing him next year right yeah so so yeah you're right it does end up being more or less a net zero all right so the, so those are some of the those are some of the uh uh the you know larger news stories let's talk let's talk a little bit more about what what's happening in, in ota today there's a couple i mean not a lot but there's a couple little noteworthy things so um let me let me throw the first one out i'd love to hear what you have to say about this and uh i will remind you that it's something i predicted oh here, so we, here we go Tyler smith here we there go. we go it's time for crow oh my goodness. um it's our time for the time for rabble to crow. It's uh, Tyler Smith uh, was starting at left guard, and I believe there are a couple of very wise pundits who predicted that, that would happen sooner rather than later. So thoughts ready. about that, um, and and even thoughts about you know what some of the folks were saying about about um, the Cowboys' new first rounder. Yeah, you know. Okay, so um, well, I was surprised to see that the drawing them out there. At left tackle because I, I I remember somebody and I read this somewhere I can't remember who was really worried about if you know if he was playing left tackle how that would just be a dreadful mess and um you know I'm not going to mention any names it's it's, it's not important no so, we don't need to know. do that but uh so uh, you know I was surprised but pleasantly surprised to see that he uh, was thrown out there and also that he did really well against um that one rookie last year I can't forget his name escapes me but I guess uh. Yeah, I guess he did pretty good against him. So, um, yeah, good for good for Tyler. You know, applaud him that he was able to handle Micah Parsons. Uh, no issues with his limited action at left tackle. Um, and then he did. They did move him in back to left guard. By the way, Tyron Smith was is, is back, and um, so mm-hmm. I know we're always going to be on pins and needles with his health. You know through the summer and then through the season, the whole thing. But um, so uh, just want to point out that Tyler Smith at left tackle was not some type of, you know, you know, whoa, no, there's no ty- tyrant available type thing. They're just, you know, test trying some things out. So good, but good for the Rook. Um, but, you know, it's June 2nd, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's early. Um, but mm. certainly all the news that I've heard and, um, you know, he got some high praise from, from Micah too. Uh, the guy's strong is what I keep hearing is like, you know, and so that's, it's definitely, 
you know, making me feel feel better. I'm I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that this that the rook is everything that he's uh, you know, hyped up to be. And then so far, you know, he's he's off to a good start. So so, good job there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and while he was out at left tackle, our our friend Connor McGovern was taking some snaps both at left guard, but also moved in uh, to center and took some snaps there. Any thoughts about that? Well, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. Like, I feel like um, Biotish could have a little bit of competition. Of course, the guy that I'm more high on is is uh, Matt uh, Farniak and. Uh, so, but mm-hmm. I really, I'm kind of curious, like, I know the Cowboys want to maximize use out of their players. I mean, for, you know, McGovern and, and Collins or Steele or whoever were playing in the backfield for crying out loud. So, I mean, they, they try to get them involved. So certainly they're exploring all options. Um, I, uh, you know, it's interesting to see how things go. And if, if um, Tyler, it, you know, takes the left guard spot and then just, you know, takes off with it and you know and from the get-go um which i guess some people predicted that will happen i don't know but um then what do you do with mcgovern he's just going to be your best reserve you i mean do you want to you try you try you know do you try to look for ways to get you know get him? i think they were playing around with connor williams at center last year or two as yeah. well and yeah. uh, i think he had some snap issues to but so i don't know i don't think too much of it but i mean it's typical cowboys just playing around tinkering with the Offensive line. Yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts about McGovern? I think the thing you just said is, is right on, which is that this is the time to tinker. And so I think it's really important that we don't get too caught up in, 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 in any of this stuff, because, you know, at some point, like it, it, how many times do we do we like make a big deal of something we see in OTAs or, or even in camp? And then that never happens a single time during the entire season. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, right. every year, this is, this is an annual sort of, pilgrimage right where we where we uh we get all caught up in something and, and then it never it never uh, plays out because the experiment fails or, the, or they decide to go a different direction or something mm-hmm. so I, I think i think it's important to, th- to start to think about roles because they're really thinking about roles right they're starting so they want a starter at each of the three interior line positions and then they want a game day swing and it might even be they want a game day swing who can you know who, who could do a guard tackle thing it might be a game day swing that where they want one or two interior guys. And so they're really just trying to figure out what's the best combination of guys for game day, right? You've got your starters, but then like, okay, if you've got, if you've got eight guys, you know, who are the three guys and what can they do and what do they provide? And can, can, as you said, like, can one of them play fullback? Cause that means they're more valuable because they are, you can actually create plays for them and you can guarantee they're going to get snaps. Um, because offensive linemen play on fewer special teams now. And so now that the kickoff, uh, you know, the kickoff um, teams have changed in terms of the kind of physical makeup of, of a lot of the players. And so, you know, it's really tough to have a couple, three offensive linemen who are just going to sit there and not play unless someone gets injured. Mm-hmm. So how can you, how can you get, squeeze value out of these guys? And so I, I think that's a lot of it is like they, they know that they have, they have slots, right? There's a position here for, you know, game day interior swing. What do we want that guy to do? And, and, you know, and can McGovern take snaps? Can he play all three? Uh, we know he can play right guard. That that's his best position. What, what does he give us as a left guard in the center? Um, because I think that's really, that's, that's probably the question they have for him. If he's going to make the team, he's got to show that he can do something in those two. So they're going to test him out on those. Speaking of, uh, interesting sort of moves in the uh, interior of a line. The other thing that, that came out that I thought was kind of interesting today was that Chauncey Golston, even, even with, um, with, uh, Odigi Zua coming back, uh, he didn't, didn't practice last week when the media was there. Uh, he was back in today, but, but Chauncey Golston was getting a lot of the first team reps at, um, at defensive tackle at the three tech. So, Interesting. I mean, I know we, I know he's bulked up and, and people have been pretty impressed with his off season this far, but thoughts about the fact that Golston is, you know, lining up a defensive tackle and is, you know, thus far has kept a, D, a Diggy Zua on the second team. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm very interested in this because I'll tell you what, and, and you know, we've mentioned this before between Gallimore and, um, and Odigizua, and even even Tristan Hill, he's still on the team. And um, but then you throw Chauncey in the mix, and I mean they there's there's such a you know a, a 
excess of these three tech kind of I know that Golson is technically on the edge, but you can play him anywhere. He's you know, he's shown his versatility, and they, I mean it's very interesting. I don't, I, don't, I it's the one position I don't know what's how it's going to shape out. You know, I was really big on Gallimore, and of course Gallimore got hurt last season, I, so it kind of stymied his year two. But um, then Odiggy just like you know had a good rookie season, but and Golson too is he? You know, we didn't hear a whole lot about him. I mean, he did have a he was one of the one of the 22 touchdown scores. Um, right. <laughs> but um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I guess the word is I'm fascinated because between the edge options and the interior, you know, pass rushing options, there's, they have, they have a pretty good list of, of options. I don't know who's going to get the playing time. Who's going to emerge as more of a go-to guy, but Golson is certainly, he's a playmaker. I mean, if you ever watched his tape, he's got like, just so many great plays that he, uh, his college tape is just riddled with just exciting splash plays. Um, he, you know, he's mm-hmm. definitely fun, fun to watch. And um, so I don't know. I, I'm curious. I'm in, very um, fascinated by that development. He had a, you know, a sack on, on Prescott. And uh, you know, I, I know that, I know that Quinn is going to move those guys around so much. I mean, you know, Golston be from outside, sometimes inside, then Mike is coming inside. Mm-hmm. You got, you got Fowler coming this way and Armstrong. I mean, it's going to be just a, 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 just a crazy assortment of different ways to, to get after the, the quarterback. So I'm very fascinated. I, I mean, he's a third round pick and, um, yeah, definitely there's some potential to be a little bit of a, a disruptor there. So I'm, I'm excited. What about you? What do you, what's your whole take on the whole, you know, the, the that three tech deep de- tackle spot? That's a, yeah, that's it. It's really interesting. One of the things I think that's starting to develop is that uh, Gallimore has gotten a lot thicker. So it really feels like he's become their kind of one tech, like pass rushing one tech for, for want of a better term. So if they want, if they really want to plug the, you know, they want to really stuff the middle and, and plug the run, then they've got a couple of bigger body guys or guys who are more sort of pure, you know, run players in Ridgeway and in Bohanna. But it does seem like Gallimore is is the sort of like one tech three tech kind of guy. You know, he can probably play both, but the, 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 his body has become more of a kind of one tech body. So that leaves the other guys you've been talking about. And I really think that you know, as you were talking, the guy that leapt to mind for me was David Irving. Uh, you know, if you if you remember like what they would do with him, he was such a dynamic player. But they would basically put him all over the line until they found the best mismatch. Like a lot of the other guys. In that Marinelli era, a lot of the other guys had fixed positions, but then one thing they would do with Irving is they would just sort of move him up and down the line mm-hmm. until, and then, and, and, and then until they found the bunny, right? And that, like the weakest link, and then they would just have him destroy that guy. And sometimes that was the left guard, sometimes that was the, the right tackle. You know, they'd sort of move him around. <clears throat> but there were games in the, like in the fourth quarter when they finally found the bunny, when he would just like take over the game, and like at the end. At the end, when the Cowboys are protecting a lead, he would just go in and like you know, get a sack and get a strip sack or get a fumble. I mean, he would just, you know, he would just take over the game and and they 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 win the game. I think they're going to try to do the same sort of thing here. Is it, you know, you said there's a bunch of different guys. They all have slightly different body types. They all have slightly different things they're they're good at. I think you just move them around until you find the best combinations where you can really exploit mismatches. Where there may be a there may be a a, a right guard who who is actually pretty good at handling Odigizua, but for something, there's something about Golson's length that the guy really struggles with. And so, okay, good. Golson's now our three tech, you know? And, and the thing about that is that Odigizua can give you snaps elsewhere. He can move over to one tech. You can put them both side by side in password situations. Um, both of those guys can play strong side end. If you're in a run, if you're in a, in a heavy run situation, both those guys can play either defensive end. So you have a lot of options to get these guys snaps. And so I think that a lot of it is just, where do we think the mismatches are going to be during our, our week of film study before the game? And then, and then during the game, we're going to move guys around. And then, you know, by the, by the, by the third quarter, hopefully we'll figure it out like where those mismatches are and we can, we can line our guys up in, in the places to exploit those. So I think the more, the more guys you have who are, who are going to acquit themselves well, um, the better. And it looks like there's some young guys who are really starting to, starting to come forward. And I will include Tristan Hill in that. And I've heard a couple of good things about, about him. He's, you know, he seems stronger, seems quicker, probably the, he probably is still the quickest of any of their defensive tackles off the ball. He's just got to stay healthy, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that he's, he's got, he's got 
a lot of really great raw material. Um, I know people are frustrated by him, and, and, and there's so, I, I think in some ways he's still sort of has to get out from underneath the shadow of, of the taco pick, you know, because I think people are sort of thinking, oh, there's two years in a row they just drafted a Marinelli guy, yeah. and they didn't, you know, they went off their board to get a Marinelli guy. That, not, that, that's not really necessarily true in either case, but I think that Tristan Hill's development, you know, where he's able to mold his his considerable raw tools has been curtailed every year thus far and, and this is the last time this is the last chance but he's he's got a lot of physical gifts and so if they can get him into the rotation he makes a team um they, they'll have some really interesting weapons to work with yeah and, and one way they'll they can get him in the rotation and, and correct me if if you don't agree um is i the way i see it i think the cowboys i expect a lot of positive game scripts where teams are having to play catch up. I'm hoping at least for that. And there could be a, you know, more pass rushing downs. And in that regard, I think you're going to see less one text, you know, reps and, and you'll see, yeah. they'll pair up a couple of the three texts together. So you'll, you'll see those guys together. Tristan and Neville will be in there, you know, and Osa, and they'll mix it up like that. So in that regard, I think that there's a lot of room for some, um, extra playing time for some of these guys like Tristan Hill and, and Chauncey when he's playing inside too. So, but is that a go get the bunny? Is that a horse racing term? Is that what that's in reference to? I, you keep saying that and I'm not, I wasn't familiar. Go get the bunny. Uh, what is that horse racing? Oh no, actually that's, that's actually something that our, um, our friend Rafael Vila sometimes talks about is like um, when, you, when you're trying to, you're looking for the, for the weak one. And they call them is, is you're looking, the bunny? you find the bunny. And, and, and when you find the bunny, you just keep going after the bunny. Okay. <laughs> right. So, so like if you find, if you found the weak person, on the, it's basically the weak link in a chain, right? You just keep, okay. and then you find that person and then you exploit that person. And it's cruel. It's cruel. Like football is a cruel game, but you find the bunny and then you just keep riding it right. until, until you win. All right. Well, I'm going to try to use that. See if I can incorporate that in my everyday life and, uh, so what one one last one last little little tidbit that came out of practice that I kind of wanted to comment on here was the and this is just like we saw one tweet I'm not sure maybe it was a Michael Gelkin tweet um, where uh, a wide receiver who's way down the depth chart and I would absolutely shock me if he does anything more than make the practice squad and frankly it shock me if he makes the practice squad this kid kid named Dennis Houston um, it looks like during a play today got tangled up and landed on Kelvin Joseph. And it was, it was sufficient enough uh, of a kind of, you know, entanglement and fall that they felt like it was, it was tweet worthy. Apparently Joseph's fine, but to me, it just sort of felt like um, it was even more noteworthy than just the fact that he fell on Joseph. It could have been an injury because it really, to me connotes exactly what coaches most fear in the off season. Right. And so, um, one thing that coaches are saying to players all the time is like, especially offensive defense women, stay off the ground. I need you to get off the ground. Like, because that's where injuries happen. Like when guys are on the ground, if you go to the ground, um, that's when other dudes get, get rolled up on. That's when guys trip over guys. That's when guys lose their footing and, and you know, those lower body soft tissue injuries happen, et cetera. So, um, and then, and then during like seven on sevens and, and passing drills like this, like when guys jump up for the ball and like, you know, are, are, are focused on the ball and not focused on like landing and keeping distance from the other guy until another body crashes into you and you land um, either with that body on top of you or you, you know, you're, you're not, you're in an awkward position because they're, they're, their weights, you know, falling into you. Um, that's when injuries can happen. And it, so I, I'm willing to bet a lot that the entire Cowboys coaching staff kind of like <clears throat> held their breath a little bit when that happened. And they're going to do that every single time mm-hmm. when these plays happens where like, you know, on off, like whether we're, you know, just going through run drills and, and a guy trips over a, a defensive lineman who's on the ground, et cetera. Yeah. Because the entire point, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week, so I don't want to give away too much, but next week we're, we're going to bring our friend Landon uh, McCool on talk a little bit more about OTAs, but, as a way to bridge into training camp, really talk about what's the point of the off season? What are the priorities of the off season? Um, because I think they're a little different for coaches and players than they are for fans. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then just getting clear about like what coaches and players are really trying to do here, I think can help us kind of understand the news that comes out or like, you know, the fact that 
they don't care if Tyron Smith takes a snap the entire offseason, right? That doesn't really matter to them that much. And so, um, so priority one in the offseason is to get your starting 53 to the starting gate healthy mm-hmm. it's more important that they're there healthy than that they are even prepared that they even know the plays because they they can learn the plays the first week because that that's when you really start to game plan anyway right so um so it's not about learning plays i mean in some ways it's about getting guys in shape but they're in shape anyway it's really about staying healthy and managing their health and making sure they don't run down and stuff like that. And that's actually one of the things that Mark McCarthy is really good at. I mean, I think that's right. one of the areas where he actually has brought analytics into, into what the Cowboys do and they're tracking their, their reps and all that kind of stuff. So I think that um, to me, this is just a, a symbol of precisely what the Cowboys coaches have been lecturing their guys to avoid. I guarantee you that, that these two guys are going to get yelled at and that, that that tape is going to be shown to the team as an example of what not to do. And they're going to say, you blankety blanks, we told you not to do this blankety blank. Don't do that blankety blank anymore, comma blankety blank. Because this is the thing that they want to hammer home that we do not do in the offseason. Right? Yeah. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But I, I thought it was really interesting that here in one little tweet, about a, a guy who has almost no chance of making the team. Another guy who we have high hopes for getting tangled up is like such a kind of quintessential um, kind of beating heart of what the off season is actually about. That I just kind of wanted to, to sort of mention it as a way to, as a way also to just kind of prep everybody and preview for our discussion next week with uh, and luminous Landon. McCoy. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point too. And you know, um, a week from today, will be the last day of OTAs for the 2022 season. And if I'm sure you all remember eight years ago, what happened on the last day of OTAs. Um, the coach's nightmare. Coach's exactly. nightmare, exactly. yeah. Yes. Um, when, you know, Zach Martin, um, the rookie Zach Martin, uh, ended Sean Lee's season. And, you know, and what was an, anything, uh, you know, uh, malicious or, or by any means, it was just just something fluky that happened. But definitely, that is survival is definitely the biggest thing. And um, you know, I look forward to look forward to having that discussion with Landon and and learning about like what what the purpose of these you know the, the mini camp and OTAs and the, the you know as as teams prepare. That's definitely something a uh, lot a lot of good learning moments with that. So I definitely look forward to that. That is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Boys podcast network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Tell us what you think, anything you would like to see us do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything about at all, any um, roster predictions, you know, some of your favorite players in camp or is there something that you need to get taken care of that you have been putting off let us know hit us up on twitter i'm at danny fan 24 and rabs is at rabble rouser r-a-b-b-l-e-r-o-u-s-r and don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week every day we got something new for you tomorrow we'll have cowboys oi with mauricio rodriguez and sunday we'll have the world's team with meg murray and paul stewart so make sure check those out But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Last dismissed.